Tipsani T. Burke saw him Friday night, who's also one of my sons in the gospel. Thank God. Thank God for him. And I thought about it. I've been just kind of tossing on the theme, and I know everybody's been dealing with the storms, and it's been um, powerful. I was looking at the theme, and I thought about several things I could do with external storms. And uh, we just came through a mighty storm in North Carolina. Uh, we, was, we were faced with um, Hurricane Matthew that came through. Amen. One of the interesting things about being an unpredictable storm is that we never thought it was going to come as west as it did. It was supposed to keep east and go up the coast. But at the last minute, they didn't know it shot west. And uh, we were affected in our area. Though uh, in the area that we were in, it was mostly um, our electricity went out but it was the effects of the storm. And that's interesting because even when you are not in the storm, you can feel the effects of the storm. There are two escapes from a storm. You can get out before it comes, or you can fortify yourself while you're in. Bishop said evacuation. When you get enough warning, you can evacuate. Amen. Or you can fortify yourself and ride it out. Yeah. Or you can be foolish and do neither. <laughs> and perish in the storm. But thank God that whatever he does, he gives us strength. Amen. Now, there, nature, and, and I'll, I'll start with that part because you all been dealing with the nature storm, and I know your theme is from Mark 6. I've spoken on that verse many times, especially in talking about the storm and the things that were there. Uh, getting to the storm, sometimes it's the things that you do before that propel you in the storm that you're in now. And let me just talk from that verse first. That's not where I'm going to preach from, but I just want to give a little opening to the verse. Is that okay? Uh, let, let me give you a little, little appetizer first. But really, the reason they got in the storm, the disciples in the, in the verses you read earlier, the reason they were in the storm is because they missed the lesson of Jesus with the feeding of the 5,000. It was designed to show that Jesus was the king of glory. Instead, they wanted to make him a king on the earth. It is John 6 and John 6 around verse 15, and so it goes down that says after he fed the 5,000, they wanted to make him king. The problem was his disciples got caught up in all that. And so he forced them, you didn't read the verse before, where he told them to get in the boat. He compelled them to get in the boat. Yeah, literally in the Greek there, it means that he shoved them. So they were propelled in the storm because they missed the point of the lesson. And sometimes by not praising God when you should, it will force you in situations you should not have been in. This is just a tease, that's all right? Now, now the second point is, while they're in the storm, uh -huh. 
they're fighting the wrong battle. See, see, you, you, your problem is sometimes that you blame your situation on the wrong source. It was a supernatural storm that they were in. It was not a natural storm. Why do you know that? Because that lake, which I've been on many times, Lake Gesedrek in, in Jerusalem there, in Israel and Palestine, where it was at, it was only a nine-mile lake. Only nine miles. They started out sometimes around the first watch of the night, which is around 6 o'clock, because they had just got through dinner, so they started off around 6 o'clock to go across the lake. By the fourth watch of the night, which would have been about 3 a.m. in the morning, they were still in the middle of a nine-mile lake, rowing against the rent, trying to struggle to do what Jesus told them to do, and they couldn't. Now, why couldn't they accomplish what Jesus told me? Because they were struggling with the natural forces when they should have been struggling with the spiritual forces. And for your information, Jesus did not go out on the water to get them. Verse 48, he would have passed them by. He told them he was going to meet them on the other side. So he didn't go out to the water to rescue them. He went out to meet them. Let me tell you something. God has designed a meeting point for you. And he expects you to get to that meeting point in order for him to bless you at the right season. Some of you know what God's told you to do, but you can't do it because there's storms in your life. And the storms are, are hindering you from fulfilling what God's told you to do. So what you do is get discouraged. Now I'm leading into my lesson. Because discouragement leads to depression. So today I want to talk about the internal storms that you need to rise above. Turn to Psalm 42. Psalm 42. I want to deal with the external or the internal storms. Sometimes we are perplexed by external storms, physical storms, that hinder us from doing spiritual things. But sometimes we're perplexed by internal storms that keep us stagnant. Do you know when things are going on the inside of you, you get messed up? You can't even walk right. You can't talk right. Can I, can I use this mic? Yes, you can. You turn that, probably that one down. I need to, I need to move around a little bit. Okay, I think they got me now. Okay, let's. Somebody shout glory. Glory. Trying to get me settled here. If you turn this one off, I'll be all right. Psalm, Psalm 42. Now, listen to me. Depression is a strong mental, emotional, and mostly a spiritual plaguing, upsetting, conditioning mess up of your mind. Amen. He said, well, look, look at what he says in verse 5. Psalm 42 and 5. I'm reading out the NIV. He says, why, my soul, are you downcast? 
Why are you disturbed within me? Listen to what he says. Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. That's all I need. All I need is one verse. I'm going to work from that. Is that okay? All I need is one verse. Now, now, you don't need a whole lot to do a whole lot of things. I can work with one word, but I'm going to work with one verse. You have to understand that what many of us don't do is speak to ourselves. What we do is listen to ourselves, but we don't speak to ourselves. You know, they tell you if you speak to yourself, you're crazy. No, no you're not crazy. You've got to take command of who you are. The, the problem is you listen to yourself all the time. And self always talks against God. And sometimes it's not about what the devil do, it's about you, what your own self do. Amen. So sometimes we're, we're messed up because of what self tells us, not, not, not because of what the devil tells us. Because the devil can't make us do nothing contrary to popular opinion. He can only suggest. But you rule yourself. The Bible says in Romans 6.16 is whom you yield yourself servants to obey. Whether the sin unto death or life unto righteousness. It's who you yield to. Which one you going to yield to? God or Satan? So the choice is yours. Nobody can make you do. Not even God can make you praise him. He made you a free moral agent. So as such the struggle really is, is inside of you. You're, you're, now, here's why you're a free moral agent, because he made you as a trichotomous being. Now, now, trichotomous certainly means that you're a threefold being. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, I pray that your whole spirit, your soul, and your body be found blameless. Now, now watch this. Here, here we go. We are a spirit who lives in a soul that is covered by a body. What we see is the body, but that's not us because that's dust. Dust we came from and dust we're. Are you with me? You understand that you dust, what you see is dust. This is not me, this is dust. Tell somebody, this is my dust. The moment you came out of your mother's womb, it started decaying. We call it an aging process, but it just start, it means it starts to decay. And because of sin, we start decay the minute you come out. David says it like this in Psalm 51. I was born in sin and shaped in iniquity. In other words, when I came out, I was already messed up. But what God made, when he breathed, see the combination of dust and the breath of God made you a living soul. It was a combination of God breathing in the dust. And when he breathed in the dust, it made a soul. Soul what? My mind, my will, my intellect, my emotions. They're all in my soul. Now, now, now the soul has two points of contact. Watchman Nee says that your soul should always be the servant. So what's happening is that your body should be the slave and your spirit should be the king. Now, 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 what does that, that simply mean? That if you're being ruled by the Holy Spirit, then your effect on the outside world is from the inside out. You understand? The Spirit is in touch with the Holy Spirit. It speaks to your soul, and your soul tells your body what to do. 
So when you have spiritual communion with God, God's already speaking to your spirit. Your soul gets excited in its emotions, and it tells your body, raise your hands. Open your mouth. Dance before the Lord. You're only physically doing what the soul is communion on the inside that the spirit has already talked to God. Now somebody say amen. amen. I'm getting there. Listen to me. So God breathes into dust and makes you a creation that was never in the earth before. He says, I'm going to make it in my image and in my likeness. In Latin, it's called the imagio dia, which means that you are in the image of God. God place you. Now, now, here's what he does in Psalm 150. Because he breathed in you, what he expects you is to breathe out what he put in. That's why he says that everything that have breath, do what? Give me back my breath. Say it again. Give me back my breath. Say it again. You don't say it like you really want to give it back to him. When you praise God, you are giving his breath back. He breathes it in. You breathe it out. It's a circulation. God breathes his spirit in. You breathe his spirit out. The more you breathe out, the more he breathes in. Because you got to be filled with the spirit. Is somebody listening to me? I, I'm, I'm getting to it. I'm getting, getting to the point. It, it is so important. But let, let, me, let me give you a background of the psalm. The psalm here is 42 and 5. What is, what is happening? In the original Hebrew... Chapter 42 and, ver and chapter 43 are the same psalm. They're actually put together. They, 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 and it's because this particular psalm is about someone, you know, he, he, he gives a particular psalm here, and the collection here is handed to the sons of Korah. When it mentions that he's handing something to the sons of Korah, it means that the psalmist is giving it to the musicians to now put the music, the poem that I'm writing. Hebrew poetry is a little different than our poetry. It does not rhyme. It just makes sense. <laughs> now, does that make sense? <laughs> it does not rhyme, but it makes sense. It's a little different in Hebrew poetry. But the point of the lesson is what he's expressing is what's going on on the inside. See, if you don't get out what's on the inside, you're going you're gonna to mess yourself up with a lot of weight. You got to get it out. You got to talk it out. You got to walk it out. You got to praise it out. That's why, because you get yourself all messed up in here, it affects you. I'm going to tell you about depression in a minute. But, but what, he, what he's, he's doing, the psalmist here, is in a state, now he is away from the presence of God. It is someone, he, what you're looking at, what you're looking at these two psalms, in chapter 42 and 43, is a person who is now out of the temple of God. In fact, the Hebrew commentary said this man was probably in captivity in Babylon. He had been away from the house of God. He's been taken in his storm into captivity. And now he is seeking God. Verse 1 is very, is very good. He says, as the deer panteth for the water, so my soul panteth. Now, you understand, the deers in Palestine went across the mountain. Panic means I have run and I've exhausted myself. I've used all of my energy. Now I'm thirsty. In other words, I have not been refreshed. Deers can go a long time without water, but after a while, you can't. And that's the problem with us. Some of us have been in church and been churching so long, we don't know how to come back and get refreshed. 
You want to come on Sunday morning, but you don't know how to come to prayer service. Still running on the energy because we think of salvation as an event and not an experience. You know, you got saved at one point in life. I got saved 20 years ago, and now I can sit down and relax. I ain't got to do nothing else for God. I prayed hard to get saved. Y'all don't know the Lord saved me. Don't you know you got to keep praying to stay saved? I got baptized in 1943. That was a long time ago. You need to recommit yourself. See, the, the problem is, it is just not about Sunday morning worship. See, Sunday morning is for you to give thanks unto him who's able to keep you from falling, who's able to bring you faultless before his presence with exceeding joy to the only wise God. Be glory, dominion, power, and forever. Sunday morning is to give him thanks. Wednesday night and Tuesday night, Monday night, if you to seek him. When you come here, you should be already be refreshed. You don't come on Sunday morning to get delivered. You should already been delivered because you should enter his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with Talk to me now. I'm getting you down. I'm not, I'm not setting you up, honestly. I'm not setting you up. I just want to tell you about the internal storms. But see, when you have been so conditioned like a junkie to get your fix, you can't function unless the organ plan. You can't function unless the choir is singing. You can't function unless Bishop James is preaching the message. Now, now, now listen to me, listen to me, because you, but you're so you so conditioned to having things your way that you don't know how you get messed up. Now, and if you're going to take a quick glimpse at verses one through five, you can see what I'm talking about. He, he's panting now like the deer who, when he was jumping across the mountain, should have identified the streams. The reason that he's patting for water is because in his journey, he never identified the streams. Because if he saw where the streams of water was, he could always jump back to it. The reason he is patting now is because he forgot to identify the source of his refreshing. So he said, as a deer panting for the water, so my soul is panting. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm too weak to pray now. I, I'm too weak to thank him now. I've exhausted all my strength. I didn't praise him for the last time. I don't know how to get back to where I am before. So my soul hungers after the Lord. I'm in a place that I didn't store up. I'm like the five virgins who didn't take oil in their vessels. I'm a saint. I'm saved. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost but I haven't kept oil in my vessels. It's like your car, Every after a while, it runs out. You don't stop at the service station, it runs out. I, I came down the highway, I was identifying the exits that had gas in it, because I was watching my mileage to see how many more miles it had. My car tells me how many more miles it has before it's empty. So I gotta know, when it's getting to empty, did I need to be at a gas station before those miles get down to zero. Are you getting it now? Some of you think you can keep jumping and shouting and jumping and shouting and never get on your knees? 
Never pray before the Lord. I know y'all wouldn't y'all expect to hear this on Sunday morning, but this is your storm. Tell somebody it's my storm. I'm steady doing what I should do, but I'm not replenishing. I, I talk to a lot of my friends who have wives like mine, who, who don't really, I don't know, something about women when you're married, Bishop, and you got to understand this. They don't, they don't put gas in their car. <laughs> it's like they're, they're allergic. Any man can identify with me? They're allergic to the gas station. Here's what my wife do when, when she don't have any gas. She said, baby, you want to drive my car today? <laughs> and you brothers can identify with me, you know. She want to drive my car because she know I keep gas in it. Drive her car, I might not even make it to the service station. I thought I was just having the problem. I talked to a girl, couple of guys, man, my wife don't put no gas in the car. Man, my wife don't put, you know, that's the way some saints are around us. You're sitting here with oil in your vessel. You've been praying. You've been doing Bible study. Can I read off of your scripture? Can you use some of your oil and pray for me? Pray for yourself. Am I okay? Sorry, right. tell somebody else right now. That's my storm. I had a friend used to come up here. He used to uh, always, he never bought any cigarettes, but he always wanted to smoke. So he always bought me a cigarette. Give me a cigarette. Give me a cigarette. And that, that's the way some of us are. They always want bar blessing. You, will you pray for me? Ask God to do this for me. Ask God to do it. When are you going to pray for yourself? Am I okay? So, this guy, I'm going to call the psalmist this guy. This guy is a junkie. Because now, see, here's what you got to understand. No matter what circumstance you are in, you have learned, you have got to adopt to praise God. How many military guys I got here? Everybody here been in the military? Let me tell you a word I learned in the military. I was in the military. I, was, I can't tell you which war. They're going to find how old I am. But I was in one of those conflicts in, in never mind, where it was. But here's what we had to learn. They did a very interesting word they taught me in the military as a young man. I was 18. They told me I had to improvise. Which means I may not have always have the resources that they give me, but you find something to use to get the job done. Uh-oh. Uh, watch this. Follow me. This guy is not in the temple now. He's missing the parade of worship that's in Psalm 68. When they came in and the temple players were playing and the musicians were singing and they were giving thanks unto the Lord. He's, got, he's such a junkie. He's remembering all of that, but he doesn't know how to improvise in his circumstance. I'm not in the church, but he still ought to be able to praise God. You know, you just got to make your own music. You're not in the house of God, but... 
Because no matter where I am and what I'm doing, I got to give God some praise. So he's out of fuel, no way of getting to the gas station. So he's like the deer who did not identify the springs. Now you'll never read Psalm 42 again like this. Could you understand that what he said when he said the deer is panting for the water is because he forgot to identify the reserves as he's jumping, skipping across the mountains. Which normally what he should have been doing was identifying creeks he could go and refresh himself. As he's jumping, you got to pay attention as the way you're refreshing us. See, some of you have been staying away from church too long. The only time you want to come back to church is when you got a storm. I got no money, I got no job, family messing up, I just go to church. And when you got it, you don't give to the church, but you want to come to the church. You want the church to bless you, but you never bless the... Something wrong with that. Uh-oh. According to a Newsweek article, and this is back in 1994, the estimated 30 to 40 million Americans who are suffering from depression. Now, let me share with you that depression is an emotional state. There's no such thing as physical depression. The reason you have physical symptoms is because of your emotional state. Do you realize that if you're not in a, in, in a good state of mind, your body won't be in a good state of mind? I mean, it's so in tune now that surgeons won't operate on you if you're not in the right state of mind. Because they know that your body heals yourself. And if you're not there mentally, they can't do nothing physically. And that what you see happening in your flesh, your legs cramping up and your heart palpitating and things going on is because of all that junk that's on the inside of you. Wow. Proverbs 14 8 says, every man knows his own bitterness. That's where it comes from, church. It, it comes from getting bitter. Bitter about what? Because you blame everybody except for you for where you are. I told you this term before, but I'm going to tell you again. Everybody wants to get around their environmental retardation. You know what that means? That simply means em environmental retardation is that you are where you are because of where you are. That if I wasn't where I am, I wouldn't be like I am. And that, you know, if I would have, could have, should have, so then it's everybody else's fault. It's the white man's fault for bringing me to the United States. Ain't my fault I was born in the ghetto. What do you expect me to do? Knock somebody in the head and steal because that's the way I was born at. That's what I do. No, ain't what you do. I'm in the high school dropout. Uh-oh. You should go down and get those welfare cheeses and pallet milk for my mom in my wagon, pushing it down. But I, I refused to be where I was. Yeah. 
And when I got out, I went back and got my mother and got her out. Because you are who you are. The Bible puts it like this. As a man thinketh, so is. Y'all better praise God with me right now. Depression is 